Hello and welcome to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike, and today I'm joined with Jason Wilson, founder and CEO of Union in the Cave of Adulam, Transformational Training Academy, and author of Cry Like a Man. Stay tuned. Welcome back, everyone, to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike, and thank you for tuning in today. It's a pleasure having you join the Guys Like Us podcast if you're a first-time listener. And if you've tuned in before, thanks for your continued support. Great to have you back on the show. Today's conversation is with Jason Wilson, founder and CEO of Union in the Cave of Adulam Transformational Training Academy, and now the author of his latest book, Cry Like a Man, Fighting for Freedom from Emotional Incarceration. Emotional incarceration, I love this subtitle, and he speaks on the importance of understanding your emotions um, and how this can impact the life that you live. He starts with developing this emotional training and transformation from a young age um, with his program, Kata, the Cave of Adulam Transformational Training Academy, and some guiding principles that have formed and, and shaped these, these young men, uh, boys, into uh, the people that they want to be in this world. He includes biblical principles that are the root of this program um, and explains a bit more about masculinity, a topic that is being questioned uh, as a whole in today's, today's context, but is something that he believes is uh, incredibly useful to, to think about in a, in a different way that not that masculinity is bad, uh, but that it's good when it's nurtured in the appropriate way. He provides some cool examples of, of how he thinks about masculinity um, and, and how it's developed in his book as well. He shares more of his early life, um, the challenges, um, but also the blessings that, that he had when he was a boy and, and as he developed into who he is today, um, and then share some advice for uh, for for listeners, uh, in particular some fathers um, or aspiring fathers uh, through his through his wisdom. So stay tuned, and let's turn on over to my conversation with Jason. Jason, thank you for joining me and the guys like us podcast today. Uh, it's a blessing to be here, Tyler. Thanks for um, inviting me. My pleasure. My pleasure. Um, first off, exciting news. Congratulations on your latest book, Cry Like a Man, Fighting for Freedom from Emotional Incarceration. Thank you, brother. Um, it's, it took a lot of work, a lot of uh, pouring out, yep. um, and it was very draining, but it's it's um, worth it to see how it's really blessing so many right. brothers and even uh, women who have bought it just to understand uh, what men are going through inside. Mm -hmm. And so, um, again, it was worth the sacrifice. Right. Can you share a bit more into the inspiration behind this book and what you're hoping for, for readers to, to gain from reading it? You mentioned it's not only for men, but also for women. Um, for me, you know, um, Growing up in the era, I grew up in what they would call the golden era of hip hop. Um, and, you know, I remember one song by a rapper named E-40. It was, it was literally called Practice Looking Hard. Mm. And so uh, during an era when you couldn't cry or, I mean, you could rarely find any album cover with a man smiling on it. Mm. Um, and 
we were taught, we actually were trained to suppress our emotions. And then, you know, I started seeing how so much of that was coming out in different ways in my life growing up um, through, you know, I would literally, you know, steal X-rated magazines just to go and uh, masturbate in the eighth grade, seventh grade, man. Mm -hmm. And because I never had a man to, I could talk to, to talk about puberty and what I was feeling because I felt like I was soft because I hadn't lost my virginity yet. Mm-hmm. And so to um, be able to, I guess, expose what I call misconstrued masculinity or uh, a misunderstanding of what masculinity is, um, it's, it's so important as I uh, work with young boys and men in the cave of Adela, I see how suppressing emotions actually hinders them from walking in their purpose that God has uh, ordained mm-hmm. them to walk in. Excellent. Yeah, I, I, I know that in the uh, in the media right now and just in culture, men are getting a, a bad rap for masculinity. Uh, and just, you know, I think some people are questioning masculinity as a whole, as an idea, right? That Just the entire concept of it. Um, but I, I like how you're, you're, you're thinking uh, and provide, you know, being a role model, model, a father figure for these young men so that they, they have steps to walk into. Um, which uh, I know is lacking for for a lot of, a lot of children youth you know nowadays I, when I when I was younger I, it was tough to find somebody that that you could look up to and and say hey this is this is somebody who I want to I, I want to follow this this is the these are the steps I want to I want to take um, I, I want to know how, how how do you approach this topic of masculinity and, and, and the role that men are to play um, the first thing I have, I like to define masculinity because so many people think masculinity itself is like a comprehensive definition of what it means to be a man. Yeah. So if you look up the word masculinity, um, it basically means like characteristics uh, or qualities traditionally, and I love the word traditionally, mm. ascribed to men as strength, aggression, and boldness. But these qualities are not ascribed to being a human. And so what has happened is we've allowed society to define us by one adjective. And so there's no such thing as toxic masculinity because at the end of the day, we applaud masculinity when a fireman runs into a burning building to rescue a a family or a police officer would jump in front of a gunfire to save an innocent bystander. We applaud it then, but when it doesn't fall in line with uh, being compassionate or caring, we want to, uh, I guess, rebuke it. But the problem mm-hmm. is, is that we can't be defined only by masculinity. And the example I always give is that, you know, there is the reason, like the pit bull terrier, for example, mm-hmm. I love it. It's one of my favorite breeds. And for years it had, uh, for decades, it was bred for only aggression and fighting and protection. And as we saw over the years, when this dog could only operate in those attributes, it became very unstable and volatile. But as we see now, uh, due to like many of these uh, rescue initiatives, that the pit bull terrier is actually a loving, compassionate companion. Mm-hmm. And so, really, there's no de- it's no it's, it, it's no such thing as toxic masculinity. I say a man becomes toxic when he only allows himself to be defined or live under the attributes of masculinity. Yes, absolutely. So how, how do you, I guess, nurture or guide, um, especially through the, through the years of, of experience at, at Kata 
and the, mm-hmm. the emotional training that you've been doing, I know is one area of focus in particular of guiding and nurturing this, uh, to, to not only define somebody by, you know, one attribute of maybe strength, but look at the comprehensive nature yeah. of, uh, of what's important. Yeah. yeah you know, um, the word I'm, 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 I, I constantly say when I'm speaking is to be a comprehensive man. And that's a man who cannot be defined by one adjective, but lives freely from his heart. You know, mm-hmm. um, he is, like I said, he's courageous, but he's also compassionate. He's uh, sensitive, but he's also strong. And so many men, um, uh, I know definitely, definitely me in my early, uh, well, late teenage years and when my 20s, I was scared to express how I really felt from my heart because of my fear of being hurt or taken advantage of. And so what we do in Akata is we allow boys to have a safe space to convey their fears, their insecurities, um, but to say, I'm scared to do this exercise and not feel condemned. When you allow a man that opportunity to be human, to express those emotions, he eventually uh, learns how to live from them. And it's not a coincidence that uh, men, we are 3.5 times more likely to die by suicide than our women. Mm. We, we do not embrace releasing the, the emotions. And so uh, Dr. William Frey, which I love his studies, he concluded that tears um, uh, from uh, what is it, emotional or trauma or emotional stress or trauma not only contain 98% water but also contain stress hormones mm-hmm. and so um, to allow a man to be human and, and to be comprehensive it, it actually it frees us to become more of what the world needs which is just balanced human being or the world needs to experience the nurturing of a man. The world needs to experience the love of a man. But until we, we come up, until we stop allowing ourselves to be defined by just masculinity, mm. you know, we'll never see that happen. I mean, Tyler, when, when have you ever heard a woman say, I'm a feminine woman? You never hear that. Yeah. She's, you know, she's everything that she has to be at any given moment. And as Christians, we often say all things are possible through Christ who strengthens us. But we won't allow him to do all things through us right. as men. Right. You know, so um, that ties back again. Uh, Proverbs 16:32 says, he who rules his spirit is mightier than one that can capture a city. And the only way we can learn how to rule our spirit or our emotions is to uh, allow them to come out and to face them mm-hmm. and not run from them. Yes, I, I love how you, uh, I think this the word or the term safe space can sometimes you know, have mixed mixed emotions or connotations, but uh, the safe space that you're creating is not one of actually of safety, but of but of courage. And you know, you're you. Are, it sounds like you are faced to to have this exposure to work through it, not not to succumb to it. Exactly. You know, um, I'm real big on using words strategically. So yep. instead of saying transparency, I say courageous transparency. Yeah. It it. it it, it makes it more masculine, but then you have transparency, which is more human. Mm. Got it? And so when you mix those two, a man says, wow, okay, so you're saying I'm still a man if I am if I share my emotions. Absolutely. Yeah. More importantly, you are a human because God did not give, <laughs> this is, God did not give women certain emotions and men certain emotions. Mm. When you look in the Bible, if we, if masculinity is, 
when you're strong. Well, what about Deborah and Barack or Barrick when he cowered out and didn't want to fight? Mm-hmm. She became courageous. Do you see how yeah. see how dangerous it is for us to allow one adjective to define who we are? Mm-hmm. You know, and so um, it's it's just very important um, for me. You know, the safe space. I like what you're saying. How it's it's safe in in the context of you won't be condemned. You right. won't get laughed at if you feel like crying. You won't get laughed at for saying I was playing a basketball game and a the guy who was playing against me uh, basically punked me out and I got scared. Mm-hmm. You won't get condemned for that. Or a father who sees his son struggling and he starts breaking down crying on the side because he sees himself in his son. Mm-hmm. And so it's a safe space to practice being human. Mm-hmm. I want to um, tie in some of the, the spiritual components that, you're, that you've been bringing up in, at Kata as well. And um, but before I get into that, um, you spoke a bit about uh, some of your childhood, but I want to know um, the really how you, how faith was part of your life as a when, when you were younger and kind of what that journey has looked like for you. Uh, well, Tyler, when I was younger, um, you know, I, I never liked church. Um, I always thought the preachers were pimps and taking advantage of people. And so, um, literally, when God was calling me, I believe at 16, actually before then, I, I, w- I didn't want to have anything to do with it because I knew he was real, but I just did not like the churches. And so mm-hmm. that, that journey running away, you know, he used it to shape my faith. And so I told him one day, I said, if you're real, you're going to have to show me because I'm not going to believe it through a Bible that your Christians don't even follow. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, I almost lost my life through two near-death experiences, and both of them were prophetic. And the last time when I um, I was uh, talking with my, she's my wife now, but at the time she's my fiance, I'm working, man, 12, 13 hours at a Coca-Cola, and um, I'm frustrated because I'm talented, I can do music, I can... You know, I was gifted. And I said, if God is real, why I'm in here, he's wasting my life away. I can't even see you and my daughter. And I said, you know, God isn't real. The only uh, God coming through the sky is Ra, and that was the sun God, because I was studying Egyptology. Mm. Man, make a long story short, I went to go unload a high load, I mean, unload a truck with the high load, but this time the driver of the truck didn't lock the brakes. And when I went to go on the bed of the truck, the truck pushed out and the high low dropped. I think it was 10 to 12 feet. And when it crashed, it gave me two herniated discs. Jeez. I fell off the high low and I looked to the sky, my man, and I just said, you know, I'll never go against you again because he showed me he mm-hmm. was real. And because of all that I'm doing today and the perilous times that we live in, he wanted to make sure that I would believe him regardless of what will happen, that I would not waver on who he is, regardless of how many people walk away from the faith. And so more so, I would say growing up, faith didn't play a role. I saw people live out what I call the church culture, but none of them really followed Christ. Mm. It was my latter years uh, that shaped my uh, faith and my commitment to the cross. Right, right. It, it's it's funny how um, I, I and I th- I think I, I don't want to speak words in front of your um, for you now, but um, 
in the, the, the atmosphere that you're creating, this can be the only, this might be a church experience for some, for some of these young men. Is that correct? <laughs> That's a very good analogy or way to put that. Yes, because, you know, I mean, just, uh, I think it was Tuesday, they thought being a Christian, you had to be passive and almost borderline cowardly. Right. And that's not attractive to me. It wouldn't, it would, <laughs> that's not even attractive to the disciples who follow Christ if you mm -hmm. study their lives. Mm -hmm. And so to be able to shatter these, uh, I call them deceptions of Satan because it's not biblically accurate. And for a boy to really assess the warrior or the, the, the power that God has given him instead of living from the fear that he has not given him. Mm -hmm. it, it becomes, well, first of all, the church is two or three or more gathered in his name. And we know that the Most High doesn't dwell in temples made by men. He dwells in us now. So really, I tell people all the time, especially my boys, when the people leave that building on Sunday, it's no longer a church. It's just a building. The church is the mm. people. And so to change that perspective, and, and when people stop depending on the building, the world will start seeing more of Christ. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's good. Um, I know you you speak on uh, biblical brotherhood. Um, how? What do you mean by biblical brotherhood? Um, and what are some of the the biblical foundations that guide this transformation? Well, one thing, you know, um, you, you constantly hear iron sharpens iron, so as one man sharpens another. Yes. Um, unfortunately, it's become a cliche because we've become polishing partners. Mm -hmm. um, we love making each other look good or shine with a buff to sword, but we won't cause any friction to make that blade sharp so that when your brother is facing a temptation of wanting to commit adultery on his wife, uh, he he can't cut through that sin or he's struggling mm -hmm. with alcohol. He can't cut through that addiction. And so with the cave of Adullam, we, 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 it's minimum polishing, but it's more sharpening. And so mm -hmm. they have ranks that they go through as far as phases until you complete the, uh, the final test for biblical manhood. But the group can't move on until all of the recruits pass. And so, so often in sports, um, it was well, more so in sports. You see this competition <laughs> where I want to become MVP. I want to do this, and I want to be the star of the team. And the cave of Adullam is centered around what happened in the cave of Adullam when David had had hid from Saul, and 400 men came unto him. If we remember, David was at the lowest point in his life. He so much did not want to be the leader that the scripture says that they made him their captain, and all these men were in debt, discontented and uh, distressed in, in light. But they all came together and, 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 and sharpened each other. And no one really knows what happened in that cave, but we do know something powerful happened because these same men were called mighty men of valor later mm -hmm. on. And so to create a, 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 the biblical brotherhood is, is basically, it's just not challenging because we don't even like that word in the cave. We say encourage each other. Mm. Encouraging each other in the cave looks like challenging. Um, but the word challenge to me is a deficit language. Basically, it means, it basically is saying that you're not doing something good enough. Mm -hmm. And so the same thing with the word man up. It's like, well, clearly I'm not doing it. If you <laughs> tell me to man up, yeah. clearly I'm not doing something. And so in the cave, we don't say man up, we say man down. Because the scripture says it's not by might that I shall prevail. Mm -hmm. And so 
it's a lot of things we shatter that, that become cliche, especially in the Christian faith. Mm-hmm. And for brothers, or a principle we often do as well is um, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. So sometimes we tie the brothers' wrists together for them to do training drills together and to show how detrimental it could be if they link themselves up with someone that's not of their caliber. Mm. So we, we make the Bible come alive in their lives in training, and then we follow them in life. We'll go to their schools and monitor to them there, and their parents have to actually check in every two weeks to let us know, are they putting away the childish things in their life so that they can become a man? Mm-hmm. And so it's truly a comprehensive approach. Mm-hmm. And um, the biggest thing, you know, is there no there is no condemnation. We know in the word it says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And so um, that's pretty, I guess, um, best way I can explain it without showing it to you. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's pretty much how we get to the point of teaching them about biblical brotherhood. Yes, good. Um, I, I really like your usage of language and the the impact that language or the effect that it can that it can create. Um, and I think that there's an importance of some words have become cliched. So it's, you know, if these words are going to be used, how, how is it actually modeled? How is, how is, you know, how does it actually look in practice to maybe reshape or rethink what this word means and how, again, and how it kind of, it can play back into that bigger picture um, and create that, that comprehensive, you know, create that comprehensive faith, create that, um, that that community where it's not it's not just polishing but but sharpening and I think it's I, I, you're right the, the the polishing it seems to just to to just to shine the, shine the surface whereas the sharpening kind of gets deep in and is willing to to go to to different layers or depths in order to to bring out the best in, in, in you know in, in in a brother and somebody else. Yes, exactly. I mean, um, you were talking about. The mantras are sayings, you know, in my book, I call them misleading mantras, like uh, the classic is no pain, no gain. And I can't tell you how many times I've uh, failed for that mantra. And today I still have injuries because I didn't allow that pain to heal. Hmm. And so I often say sometimes pain isn't meant for you to push through it, but for you to slow down and think through. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, um, or what doesn't kill you will only make you stronger. stronger. What are you talking about? You know, it, it, you know, everything in moderation is classic. You hear that a lot, especially in the Christian faith, for those who live compromised lives. But it only takes a small amount of cyanide to kill you. So that in moderation can kill you. Mm-hmm. You know, and so, you know, again, or another classic one, Tyler, I know you hear is happy wife, happy life. Mm-hmm. Even you can ask wives today, they realize that that is a lie. Because if you don't have a happy husband, you will never have a happy home and you won't have a happy wife. And so my wife and I, we say now a loving husband, a loving wife equals a blessed life. Mm. And so, you know, we have to stop allowing the world to um, to define what truth is for us. And, um, and I, again, we can go on. I mean, if you, if you just think about how often we allow these popular sayings to. Um, lead us astray. And another thing that's positive people say is, uh, I mean, a popular saying is, uh, what is it? Uh, avoid toxic people. You know, you hear that a lot now. And I, I was going to post, um, thank God that Christ didn't avoid 
uh, toxic people because I would be doomed. Mm-hmm. Because at the time when when he he drew me, I was very toxic. And so, as a Christian, are you supposed to follow that mantra of avoiding toxic people? I get what you're saying. You know, you don't want to dwell with the unbeliever, but if you're called to come, if Christ came to help the sick and we are his disciples, that's what we're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And so, again, you know, teaching a man that it's not going to be easy. Evangelism is not easy. It's not a three-year program that someone grows into the full knowledge of Christ. That's why Paul says, told Timothy, I will labor with you until Christ is formed in you. I mean, it wasn't Timothy. He was telling the church can't think of what church it was, but he says, I will labor with you until Christ is formed in you. Mm. And that's what, so if, <laughs> if men are encouraged, so this is key to Tyler, I love this. So people think it's courageousness that makes you uh, uh, save someone at war or run into a burning building. It's not being courageous per se. The root of courageous is love. So it's my love for my family that will make me die for my family. Mm-hmm. What did Christ say? There's no greater love than when a man lays his life down for his friends. Mm-hmm. It's not the laying down of his life when he's being encouraged. It's the love that he has. And so if a man can't really uh, learn how to live from that love and always has to live from something that's fake, we truly would never experience what God has wanted us to experience in this life because the men aren't being comprehensive. Hmm. Hmm. Yes, um, I think being being rooted in love and um, and finding, yeah, fi- being able to, to, to develop that um, and know that that's that's a foundation. That's where that's where it's gonna. That's where that's how your faith's gonna develop. Um, it, you know, I think it's important. And w- w- when you're looking at the the I guess the results or just the 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 futures that are created the potential that's being fulfilled in in the in the boys as they become young men or as they even develop in their in their childhood what what are you what are you seeing you know I guess on a spiritual on an academic on a emotional level um, of you know how how they're how they're connecting to the world how they're fulfilling this purpose and potential. Well, one of the things that, you know, that always blesses uh, me and my assistant, Chris, is when our recruits who come to the cave have like a 1.8 grade point average mm-hmm. without any academic tutoring, but just pouring into them affirmation and encouragement and teaching them more about what God desires for them. They improve uh, their GPA. Uh, one of them most recently went from a 1.8 to a 3.0 wow. in one card market. Um, to hear testimonies from parents that their sons are reading their Bibles without them having to ask them. Their sons doing community service projects and things like that. And and, and, and getting rid of the notion that what is a girlfriend? Because we often talk about that as well because we start at six years old, but when they get like to 10 and 11, they want a girlfriend. They start liking girls. And it's always a good conversation because... They never knew why, and many men didn't. Why does the uh, pastor or the person marrying a couple places great emphasis on you may now kiss the bride? Because that's supposed to be the first time that you kissed her. Mm-hmm. And so many men do not know that because we lack what's called, or if we do know it, we, we ignore it because we lack what's called, we, what we call in the cave, sexual self-control. Mm-hmm. And so 
for um, to see young men saying, look, uh, Jason, or uh, Mr. Wilson, or Sharaf, which they call me, which means servant, they'll say, Sharaf, um, I ended the relationship with the girl because um, you're right, I don't need to be in that. I need to court a woman for marriage. Right now, I need to focus on my school and have her as my friend. And so we say she's not a girlfriend. She's a friend who is just a girl, mm-hmm. who is a girl. Mm-hmm. And so to see boys walk in that, you know how many women, uh, that's why they, they, you know, they, they're angry at or they're guarded against this the masculinity, just men just being masculine because we're not balancing it out with the other attributes of being a human. And so chivalry appears to be dead, but it really isn't. Like, um, how many pastors do you know really model loving their wives publicly? Like, I had to uh, talk with a couple of my pastor friends. I'm like, man, when do we hold our wives' hands in church? The world, our kids see how a lot of the hip-hop artists treat their women, but when will they see how men of the most high mm-hmm. love our women? And so we, we're seeing that. We're seeing how boys are becoming more respectful, holding the doors open, not for just one woman coming through out our building, but they're waiting until every woman is out the door before they close mm-hmm. the door back. Mm-hmm. And so those are um, what I say. I'm so thankful that God allows me to see the fruit of our labor before I go mm-hmm. and see him. So those are just a few things um, that really what we can say, like, man, there's some uh, truth to what's going on. And boys uh, have been slaves to their emotions and men too long. And like uh, God told Genesis, told uh, Cain in Genesis 4-7 before he killed Abel, he says, sin is crouching at your doorstep, but you must master it. And we haven't practiced mastering our sin or uh, being soulish, controlling mm-hmm. the emotions of the soul, or like David said, weaning my soul like a mother weans a child from its breast, from her breast. And so when you allow men to be emotional and to not only assess those emotions, but be able to process those emotions and then decide on which ones to keep and to cast, he not only becomes more comprehensive, he's then able to walk resolutely in God's calling on his life. Mm-hmm. It's funnier. Uh, it's really, it's, 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 it's crazy how even opening the door, at least where I, I'm, I'm coming from Boston and really major metropolitan areas, I'm sure are similar, how door door holding uh, just in general is, is like a lost art. There's It's not happening anymore. Um, and it's it's really interesting when I when I do so um, and just the 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 impact that it has on somebody's on somebody's day. Say, hey, you know, uh, like. Hope, hope you're having a good day or just these these small acts of kindness of uh, just showing who you are uh, and and just you know and, and obviously just really showing who God is through through you um, is is it's crazy how much that can turn somebody's day around perhaps somebody's life around through these small encounters um, but it's an opportunity too at the same time. Uh, for 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 men for for women to, to step in and, and be um, and, and be that that outlet be the be the voice that's not being that's not being heard right now exactly I mean you know remember uh, Christ even said he said you know the people will not believe unless they see signs and wonders mm-hmm. 
And so when a person, I mean, I can't tell you how many times my son gets complimented or gets free things because he says, yes, sir, and no, sir, or yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am. Literally, we were at the post office one day, Tyler, and he was helping me package up uh, actually some of my books to send out. And um, he was like, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, to the lady who was helping us. Mm-hmm. And she has stopped. She says, boy, you're going to make me cook you dinner. <laughs> <laughs> and so and we started laughing. And I, I tell that story all the time, especially young boys. It does something to our elders. It blesses the elders mm-hmm. to see, man, I can still have hope in the next generation coming. And what a lot of men don't realize about being uh, affectionate or holding hands with our wives uh, or our significant others as we're walking, uh, science has proven that holding hands actually reduces pain and emotional stress. And so to your point, again, it's not only good for others to see, but it helps us. Mm-hmm. We can tap into uh, being just comprehensive in nature, you know, mm-hmm. and so, um, and that's that's just my, you know, I, I'm thankful because my journey to freedom from emotional incarceration, it, 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 it has shown me the power of being transparent. Mm-hmm. Um, I have nothing to hide anymore. I, I'm, I'm it's, it's not as difficult for me as it used to be to walk through my fears anymore. Because then I realized I have no one to perform for, not even the most high, because he doesn't, he's not a performance based God. Mm-hmm. And so I'm free and I desire that for um, every man that will come across the book or every young man who reads it as well. And that's why I design my videos the way I do mm-hmm. so that men, men were already hurt, hurting. You know, I, what's the popular saying? It's, it's easier to. Uh, build strong children and it is a repair broken man. That's by Frederick Douglass. And I believe what's happening in society is that we're so focused on building our boys that we're leaving men broken. Mm -hmm. And it's time for us to, you know, become whole, not only just, um, you know, in just our boys, but as males in general, to especially those of us in Christ, so we can truly manifest Christ in the lives of those in this world. Mm-hmm. And to me, he was the most comprehensive uh, God-man to walk the earth because uh, one of the greatest examples I always give is when he was crying bitterly over the death of his friend Lazarus and how he knew he could raise him from the dead but still was crying the way he was. And that's like you, Tyler. I give this example. We were eating dinner and you somehow passed out and died. I wouldn't just ball out in tears and lose control and fall to the ground crying if I knew I could raise you. I would say, Tyler, arise. But what Christ was showing us was a natural uh, response to trauma. It was good for him to express those emotions because why? He was still part human. Mm -hmm. And so as men, we are all human. You know, how do we think we can live this life without being or expressing our emotions? And... You know, I remember once that there was alarming is uh, that men commit 90% of homicides in the United States and represent 77% of homicide victims. And that's just alarming to me. But the more I study about the importance of being or expressing our emotions and what happens when a man shuts off that part of his humanity, it becomes clear to why these things are happening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
So you're, uh, I think, transitioning into one of the final points and topics. A lot of people listening now are either current fathers or are aspiring to be fathers. And um, besides, you know, hopefully getting getting hands on your on your book and tuning into your videos, what advice do you have for 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 these people um, as they you know aren't aren't necessarily able to to send their you know their children to to uh, uh, the cave, but just on a, on a day-to-day basis. So for, for fathers, so basically you want me to, I guess, give advice to fathers who, um, basically want it, what it, want to know what it takes to just be a good father. Right. That's, is that what you're asking? Right. Um, it's, um, that's a perfect question because in my book, I, I talk about how, um, I actually say the majority of fathers I've worked with over the years, you know, truly want to be, you know, the best for their sons, but because of the unresolved anger that uh, many of us have experienced from our fathers, um, it's it's almost we're almost unable to give what we long for to our own sons. And so, the first thing I would tell a man who is desiring to get married and have children is first make sure he uh, is healed from his wounds so that he doesn't father from them. Um, during my early years, just, um, of marriage, raising my daughter, I fathered her through those middle school years from my own wounds. I had become my father to her instead of the father I longed to be. And it wasn't until the Holy Spirit showed me this through a study, a devotional study I was doing, uh, did I catch her. She was going to school, uh, Tyler, and I ran in her room. I dropped to my knees and started crying. She's like, what's wrong, Dad? And I said, Alexis, I'm so sorry for the way I've treated you uh, during your middle school years. I was just an overprotective, uh, disciplinary type father. Mm -hmm. And she was like, well, Dad, you were just trying to protect me. I said, no, my daughter, I said, I was hurting you. And I was. I would find, especially if we're religious, if our children aren't doing something that literally isn't written in the Bible, we'll condemn them like God couldn't speak through them. Um, And... He convicted me with uh, Samson's parents because they didn't want him uh, uh, to go to Philistine because they they wanted him to marry an Israelite. But the word says clearly that was a part of the Most High's plan. Mm -hmm. So often we allow our our desires to get in the way of God's will. So number one, of course, is to seek healing and from the wounds that you've experienced so Mm -hmm. you don't father for them from them. And two, Make sure um, that you are loving yourself because the Bible says a husband should love our wives as our own bodies. And what's happening is we are doing that because when we mistreat our own bodies, we're mistreating our wives. And unfortunately, the majority of men, the mass majority of men I speak to don't love themselves. And we have to learn to look in the mirror to not only look at our faults, but to look at uh, all of the attributes or the qualities that God has given us that are a blessing. And so those are the two major mm-hmm. things that I see that cause many problems in marriages and raising of children is for one, fathering from trauma or the emotional wounds that we've experienced, and two, not loving ourselves so that we can love others. The saying, um, hurt people, hurt people is true. Mm-hmm. And I add, hurt people not only hurt people, but they keep hurting people. And so we have to get healed so that we can start uh, healing our homes and our communities. Mm. 
so seek healing uh, and to, to love yourself. Yeah, it's, it's major. If you don't love yourself, you can't love anyone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, I'm telling you, I know that because I lived it, man. I, I, could, I can't tell you, Tyler, how many times I laid on the couch just angry. And my wife is trying to go out and have fun. And I'm just mad, like grouchy. I'm like, I didn't know what was going on. But what was going on was that I hated myself. I hated who I was because the man that I, I desired uh, to be in my life, my father, the words and the pronouncements, the way he would curse at me and just embarrass me in front of others, started to affect me when I became my father. And it wasn't until I got healed from that father wound. And then here, let me say this last one is also do not run from adversity. Because as men, you know, what, what does the Most High use to shape us? Like David said, he says, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. I say that to say when my mother had dementia, the year prior, Tyler, I prayed to be broken because I knew my will was in the way of God's will. And he used me caring for my mother and loving her for six years to shape the man that I am now, mm-hmm. but clearly for the message that he wants to be heard to the masses of men today. And so, of course, seek healing, uh, love yourself, and never run from adversity. Mm-hmm. But do, like Brother James say, consider it joy when you face tests and trials of many kind. Right. There's a good verse in Hebrews, Hebrews 12, 15. It says, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. And I think it's it's important to, we can fall into this place of anger, of frustration um, when, we're, when we're out of touch um, with uh, some of these points that you're mentioning. And it can just, uh, it can just lead us for, you know, for farther away um, and not, not bring us to, to where we're called in, into, into his will. So. Yeah, that's really good. And another thing I want to mention before we close is um, a lot of men ask me, you know, how do you cry in front of your wife? It's like they desire it so much, but because of, again, the world's definition of what it is to be a man, they mm-hmm. don't. And I, I tell them the, the best place to start is alone, but cry. Mm-hmm. You know, I started in my car. And then, you know, um, eventually when I had a, a pastor of mine, give me permission to cry. And then that was the first time I cried in front of men. But for men to get free, it's just about practicing it. Practice letting those emotions out, whether you're alone or you're in your closet or with a counselor. And once you get to that place, you start finding freedom and that you really don't care how a person thinks about you. And then when you find out that your wife truly wants to be that type of mate for you, you'll find the blessing in what why it's written that he who finds a wife obtains favor from the Lord. And so um, I encourage men to, hey, man, you know, you're human. Express those emotions and you'll be shocked how much that draws your wife closer to you. That's great advice. Thank you for uh, thank you for your time today, Jason. Uh, it's been a, been a pleasure having you on the Guys Like Us podcast. And to conclude, just where where people can find your book and, and find more about you and the work that you're doing. Okay, yes, um, my book can be found pretty much anywhere books are sold. But I would ask for everyone to purchase it uh, on Amazon because, as you know, that's what seemingly everyone goes to buy yeah. books. And please leave a review. Mm-hmm. Um, because reviews definitely increase book sales. And I really want this message to reach the masses. 
And on social media, uh, my handle or my name is Mr. Jason O. Wilson. That's M-R Jason, J-A-S-O-N, O. Wilson, W-I-L-S-O-N. Mm-hmm. And O is for Oliver, which is my middle name. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time today, and uh, it's been a pleasure. Thanks, Tyler. Have a blessed one, man.